Happy birthday, Ultimate Podcast Network family. Celebrating eight years in 2021 are bringing you the listener free broadcasts on topics that are family friendly. There are podcasts on homeschooling, kids, family life, and success over struggles. There are podcasts on rekindling your romance, household management, organization, health issues, techie skills, and podcasts on every academic subject that will help you in your journey. And there's more. I want to give a shout out to the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network podcasters. They work hours and hours to bring you these broadcasts for free. And how can you thank them? Well, it's easy. One, subscribe to their channel. You can do this on any podcast app. Two, give this podcast a star rating on your favorite podcast app, as well as comment on the website. Three, share this episode and the network with a friend. And thank you, our listeners. You've kept us on the air for many years and millions of downloads. Also, I invite you to sign up for our easing that comes out weekly with freebies each month for subscribers only, as well as a list of all the podcasts you won't want to miss. You can find this podcast as well as others on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.com. And happy birthday! Enjoy this upcoming presentation and God bless. Welcome to Life Skills 101, Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more. From special needs to parent classes, True North builds a community through digital format in an age of loneliness and desolation. Our host, Lisa Nearing, is a homeschooler with five kids who was homeschooled with her husband, Dr. David Nearing, for 27 years. They are committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools they need to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, without further ado, Lisa Neering. Hey, everybody. It is Lisa Neering from True North Homeschool Academy, and we are back again this week at Life Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. I am super excited today to have my friend Meredith Curtis join me. She's a fellow podcaster at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. You probably know her from our great show over there. She loves Jesus and her ever-growing family. She's the mom to five and grandmary to four, but I think it's five so far. Um, she's a pastor's wife, worship leader, women's ministry overseer and mentor, and she has constant opportunities to fulfill the Great Commission and see lives change for the glory of God. She is also teaching at True North Homeschool Academy um, this year and next year. Super excited to have her on board. She's got some great curriculum that she's written that we're using, and um, I just love her. So welcome. Um, Welcome, Meredith, to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for having me. I love being with you, and we got to meet each other yeah, a month so ago, fun. and that was so exciting. She, Lisa is definitely an amazing woman. I don't know how she does it all, but um, she has built something really incredible 
with True North Academy. And one of the things that I love about, this is my first year teaching there, is the sense of community that's there. That is just something I did not expect to experience along with academic excellence. So thank you for letting me teach there. It's Uh, really been a privilege. And uh, thank you for having me on today. Yeah, I am so glad. I'm so glad you're part of True North. We're we're having a great time together and building an awesome community. And um, I I always say we have world-class teachers and and you're just part of that. So glad you're there. Yeah, we are going to talk about maybe a touchy subject today, and that is how to weather a crisis of faith in your family. Um, And Meredith, as a pastor's wife, and being in ministry and being an integral part of the homeschool community for so long, um, you've seen so many crises. (laughs) I mean, there's national crisis, personal crisis, all all the types. You mentioned something a couple weeks ago that really caught my ear. Um, we were talking about a family at um, in our program, and I mentioned this crisis that they were going through, this one, one person in the family, and you just paused and said, oh, a crisis like that just affects the whole family. And when you said that, I just stopped. Like it just, it, it honestly administered to me and it made, you named something I was aware of, but hadn't put a name to. And that is when one person suffers, the people that love them suffer. Yes. And that's why I wanted to just talk about this, especially as we're going into the holidays, that it's been a couple of years of people struggling and suffering, um, some more personal than others, but definitely nationally in some ways with the pandemic internationally, really, it's been a worldwide thing. And so I'm really glad you're here to talk about this. Um, Lisa, I just feel like this is a crisis in the church because we are being assaulted as, as Christians, like never before. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it is almost frightening me because the, uh, from the idea of not being canceled for college students and people like in certain career fields to the idea of will I walk with the Lord for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. And I know that none of my children came into adult faith in Christ without some really, really difficult challenges where I had to say with each one, is my son, is my daughter going to make it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and that surprised me because I felt like, wow, we just had this fun family. We love Jesus. We're always in ministry. Of course, I underestimated the amount of onslaught against Christian values, against um, orthodoxy, against sound doctrine, even in the church, Lisa. Yeah. There is false teaching that is completely contrary to the word of God. And it, it is honestly something that as a pastor's wife, you're right. I have held so many hands and cried. My husband and I have, I cannot tell you how many times we have knelt beside our bed and just held hands and prayed and wept. And it's, it is a heartbreaking time. It, it is, is just a heartbreaking time. You know, my husband, um, in his role as a clinical psychologist, a couple months ago said, it is unprecedented the number of adult kids who have just completely cut off their parents. Yes. They grew up in Christian homes where they were loved and cared for and taken care of. They've cut off their families and they're just alone in the world. And, and he's just 
he's just flabbergasted by it. I mean, he, he, I mean, he has a, he has a clear idea about why that's happening, but I do think it's really, we are, you know, people kept saying this in 2020, we're in unprecedented times. And I think in that it's unprecedented. There's new types of crises that are hitting the family and in particular, the Christian family, as you just mentioned. You're um, right, Lisa, because I know um, my daughter, Juliana, was saying that there's a podcaster she listens to who's a very godly man. And um, she said he harps a lot on two things. He speaks a lot to young people, 20s, 30s, the lack of respect for older people. And another thing is the lack of loyalty. Mm. And that honestly really surprises me because any disagreement I've ever had with my parents, I was always respectful to the day they died. And I was always loyal to my family. I did not speak against them. I did not come against them. And it was just ingrained in me. I don't know where from where it was just that loyalty is a very important value and respect, especially respecting older people. But when I watch some of the movies young people are watching and I listen to some of the things that their heroes are saying, they're basically saying out with the old, in with the new, what has gone before us? They are liars. They are worthless. Let's get, don't listen to the, Mm -hmm. you know, don't listen to the older generation. And we really see something happening that. Um, Paul says, I believe it's in second Timothy where he says in these last days, and he talks about people being disrespectful to their parents. I have never seen it so prevalent as I see it today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. Um, and again, I mean, we talk about this a lot on, on our particular podcast is just the advent of the cell phone and the cancel culture. It's so easy to block somebody or ghost them online, but then that really transfers into how people are interacting with each other, um, which is really tragic because we need each other. We're built for community. God created us to be in fellowship. There's so many, so much admonition in the Bible about being in fellowship and how to do that and family and everything else. So um, so one of the things we want to really talk about, um, is maybe just what are the kinds of crises that have, that can hit a family? Um, yeah, I, and there's many. <laughs> yes. I would say one of the biggest and heart, most heartbreaking is when a child decides they are no longer a Christian. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have grown up, maybe they've given their life to the Lord at a vacation Bible school or a Christian summer camp, maybe they are leading an evangelism team or leading worship. And then all of a sudden they say, I'm not a Christian anymore. My husband was sharing the other day. He had a list of a thousand pastors that had renounced the Lord. A thousand. And he was crying. He just said, how, how, like, Every time, you know, he sees a pastor fall, it affects him personally because that is like there, but for the grace of God. And so um, I think that is a a really hard thing is when children reject the faith. And um, the second thing I see a lot now um, with the very big um, cultural identity is this um, children thinking, oh, you know, I must be gay. 
I must be bisexual. I must need a sex change operation. Um, I've got to live with this guy. It's all the same package. It's like mm-hmm. I'm rejecting God's plan mm-hmm. for relationships. And so that is another heartbreaking one because, um, you know, I have a friend whose daughter uh, decided, you know, mama, I'm not going to, mom and dad, I'm not going to live by your values anymore. I'm going to move out and um, just all kinds of things. And now she's living with her boyfriend and that's very common. Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is, Lisa, some of these people who are doing this, they're still claiming to be a Christian, going to church and involved in ministry in their church. So it becomes very like, mom, you just have a different idea of what Christianity is. Mm -hmm. And it's okay for me to live with my boyfriend. It's okay for me to have sex outside of marriage because Mm -hmm. we understand more about grace. Well, no, you really don't understand about grace. Mm -hmm. So I would say those are two really big ones. And then there is blaming. My life is going bad (laughs) and you didn't raise me well. You didn't love me enough. You didn't do this. Here's where you made your mistakes. I see that so much. And even like someone's addicted to pornography, you know, uh, and, and I would say pornography would be the fourth because pornography is so insidious and people hide it. Yeah. And um, I just see one of the things I've noticed is that when people are addicted to pornography, they become very angry mm. and um, that angry be- anger becomes directed at people, especially who in their minds represent Christ. So those are four things. So sometimes you're dealing with an issue. Like a lot of times when people are, are confronted with the hurt from pornography, they don't know it's pornography because they don't know that person is struggling with that. Yeah. Um, so I guess those are the main things that I would see. What about you? Anything? Yeah, I really agree with you. I mean, I, I was just, as you're going through each one, I'm like, oh yeah, I know this. I know this person. I know this person. One of our, one of the, one of our young friends who um, we were very involved in the, with their family in the homeschool community, they just came out as bisexual yesterday online, lots of kudos. And it just, it just does break my heart because for one, as Christians, we're called to purity. And if you're declaring your sexuality before you're married, well, why are you sexual? You know what I mean? It's just, yes, there's this whole major question before we get to your identity about how you're enacting sexuality. And yes. so that's a problem. The blaming thing too, I hear so much rhetoric of, I have PTSD. Um, I had trauma. And I think as someone who has, who has suffered with PTSD from a life-threatening accident at 14, um, and, and is recovered from it without even knowing I had it because of, of, um, of, a, a chiropractor and thank God, because now I see how I respond to situations where before it, there was all this stress and pressure. I didn't even know what the problem was or that I had an issue with it. Um, until now I, like, I just think differently. So PTSD is absolutely a real thing. Absolutely a real thing but you get it from trauma. You don't get it because you're unhappy. And a lot of these, these psychological terms that mean things are being used in a postmodern way to say, you know, I have an itch and PTSD is going to scratch the itch. No, it does not work that way. Trauma. I think of all the people who went through world war two, they had trauma. 
you didn't have trauma growing up in a middle-class life in America, probably, you know what I mean? And so I think, I think the redefinitions of terms are confusing things for people, but, um, you even, you even see people who's, (laughs) I'm going to just let that one go because it'll go off into a tangent, but so, um, and pornography, I think, um, I, I try to say this all the time. Um, pornography will come after your kids. Your kids don't have to look for it. So we have, we have like filters on our computer and all sorts of things. We're really open with our kids. Our kids have been targeted because of their age and their sex and porn shows up. It gets past the filters. Um, and if you have somebody who has a struggle or it's a bad day or whatever, it, it is just, it literally is insidious. It is everywhere. And it's a billion, billion dollar market and they want your kids and they want you. So, you know, you've got to put safeguards in place and talk to kids about that. Yeah. One of the things that we have done is to keep all of our computers out in the open. Mm -hmm. So we don't allow computers or phones, you know, when the kids were, our kids are grown, but um, behind closed doors, because it just opens the door. Something that you said, Lisa, made me think about the idea of victimhood Mm. and you were talking about labels and I really see that this is, you're not anyone unless you're a victim. Yeah. If you're not a victim, you're an oppressor and no one wants to be an oppressor. Mm -hmm. So our culture, our society has been divided into two. There's the oppressors and victims. Mm. And if you know, young people definitely don't want to be an oppressor. So they want to be a victim. And I really, there's a beautiful song that um, we do a lot in our church called I am no victim. And it, do you, are you familiar with that song? I'm not. No, I will give you a link to it. It, It is such a beautiful song. And to me, it's so prophetic from God in this day and age, because it says, I am no victim. And we're not, if we're in Christ, we're not victims, but that is trendy. That is cool. The superheroes go to counselors. They have all these (laughs) emotional problems. And I'm like, what? Yeah. How are you a superhero? (laughs) Yeah. What, you know, what, how do you save the world, but you're not even able to overcome these, you know, you're so anyway, we live in a very weird mixed up time And there is so much corruption, so much fraud, so much that, and I I think people are are just, honestly, they're super afraid Mm -hmm. to not be a victim. And if, if they're young, uh, one of the things that amazes me is when I talk to my friends that are African-American and they have been argued with by white people who mm-hmm. don't know what it's like to be African-American, but somehow they believe they have the whole handle on, you know, oppression against black. So it's just, mm. it's just a weird time. It's it just is a weird time. time. Yeah. So how do we, how, how does all that stuff affect the family? Um, because we both have adult kids. We've probably been affected by some of this in our life. I know we have, yes. um, I think everybody my age who has adult kids has been affected by some of these things. And, and how does that really affect the family as we? Well, I know in our family, whenever there's a crisis in our personal family, um, there's a lot of talk about, 
first of all, everyone feels insecure. That is the first thing. Everyone feels insecure. Everyone has usually trouble sleeping, feels anxiety. You know, we tend to have very stable, loving families. And then here the rug is pulled out. So another thing that happens is um, pointing the finger. Mm. Um, I think this is not his fault. It's your fault. Or no, I think it's your fault. Um, and that, and then other times there are people that blame themselves. This is all my fault. If I had only done this, if I had only said this, this wouldn't have happened. And, um, personal responsibility, um, is very popular in the church, or at least Mm -hmm. it has been to this point. And, um, but I think we're starting to see personal responsibility disappear. Mm. And I know that when Mike and I meet with families, there's just a lot of blame shifting, very little personal responsibility. You know, um, you hear very little when we're doing counseling sessions with the family, you'll hear very little. I really blew it. I shouldn't have done this. And Mm -hmm. um, when you do hear that, it's so refreshing. Um, And it's, it's often the adults. It's often not the younger people, the younger people, a lot of times they have learned to come up with a lot of excuses Mm -hmm. about why they've done what they do. So I would say overall, the sense of security is gone. That breeds a lot of insecurity. It also breeds a lot of, I'm going to rethink my values. I'm going to rethink what I want to do because this doesn't look so good anymore. This doesn't look so fun anymore. This looks too hard. Yeah. I think too, I, I mean, what you're talking about, I think, especially, um, the home, the Christian homeschool community is pretty insular. And many of us started homeschooling because we really wanted to guard and be intentional about our families. It wasn't, I, I we didn't homeschool because we were reacting against, we had a vision for, and I think many people in the homeschool world really had a vision for what their family could look like, that there was family unity and connection and Um, adherence to the gospel. And so when something like this happens and everybody feels really shaken and insecure, um, that when those transitions happen, that's the time to not become rigid and, um, and legalistic, but also not to throw out the values and vision that you have, but to get really settled in what is the scripture. And of course, when you have, when you have a big hit to your family yeah, the blame game. Was it my fault? Was it your fault? What did we do wrong? How did we parent? What, why did we have that kid? Why didn't we have him closer? Why did we move? All the questions happen and it's okay to evaluate and assess, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God is still on the throne. Even when you have these huge crises of faith, in fact, we are supposed to expect them, right? They're coming. (laughs) You never think they'll come with your children though, Lisa. Right. That's why Christian parents feel like such failures. And I know yeah. when Mike and I have gone through some of those times, we'll repent for everything we can think of, but then we have to come to a place where we start encouraging each other as parents, because the tendency is to say, well, if I did make this mistake that I've repented from, I guess it negates all of my positive parenting mm-hmm. and I'm a terrible parent. And that that honestly is not true. Right. And it is really challenging um, to deal with that. Right. It's really challenging. 
It's really challenging. And I, I love what you said, encourage each other as parents. And I think about that myself. I have to testify to myself on a daily basis. <laughs> you know, I think we forget that we need to tell ourselves the truth and we need to yes. encourage our partner with the truth. Yes. Um, you have been a great dad. We have had a good marriage. We have done things right. Yeah, we've messed up. We need to fix this over here. But as a team, we're, right. we're headed to the cross and you have to testify to each other. Um, yes. My husband, we went through a really hard time and, and we would go to sleep at night crying and praying during this horrible season. And my husband would say, all things work together for those who love Christ. Do we love Christ? Yes. All things all of them will work together for good. And we, and he would testify to me that way almost every night because we would go to sleep crying over this heartache. I mean, it wasn't a light thing. It was months of just feeling beat down and just like, it, it was all a mess. And that scripture really got us through. We would just say all things, we love Christ. We're headed North, true North. That's where we're going. Mm -hmm. And we just had to keep reminding each other. Um, and yeah, you want to assess, like, what can you do differently? How can you grow? Disciple yourself and each other. That's what we're supposed to do in our marriage is help each other out, like witness yeah. to each other. <laughs> um, don't get stuck, but also, and then don't lean towards legalism either. You don't have to beat each other over the, over the head. Like you did this wrong, you know, be gentle and full of grace for yourself and each other. I love that. Encourage each other as parents. You really come to a place where I thought as a young mom, if I do everything right, homeschool my children, read the Bible to them every day, then I'm going to have their, my children are going to have perfect lives. They're going to have the happiness. And I realized like you can't, every child, every person is flawed and every person has their own individual walk with the Lord and they have mountains they have to climb mm. and they have temptations they have to face and overcome. And I think it's so hard as a parent to want so much blessing for your child and to sometimes realize the Lord allowed this thing to build mm. my child into a, a better Christian, mm. someone who's closer to him. And so anyway, I, I just can so relate to the crying and the questions. And I never imagined that as a young mom, but I feel like there's a brokenness that comes from those times that is very sweet. And that makes no sense to anyone unless you've gone through uh, something really traumatic and the Lord has been close and sweet. And it's not like everything gets better, but it's like, you realize that for what truly matters, you know, we have Christ and Christ is enough. And like I said, all things are going to work together for good. Mm -hmm. Amen. I think that's the gift of time in our life. Well, like God doesn't reveal everything at once. Cause if he did, we would just be like, I'm out. <laughs> no way. I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't sign up for that one. Oh my. Yeah. I, I, I love it. So repair everything, encourage each other as parents and as, as, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. And then other ways to get through. I really believe there are ways to get through because one of the things 
that I have seen is that God's ways always work, no matter what the trial you're going through. It's like there's there's principles in the Bible and they work whether you stub your toe or whether your child renounces Christ. And that is to press into the Lord, to pray, to fast, to have people who love you and love the Lord stand with you. And you will find out who your true friends are when you go through some really rough times because there will be people who, you know, will be Job's counselors and there will be people who say, hey, listen, you know, I have... I've had friends say, listen, I'm fasting with you. I'm fasting with you once a week. I am there. I'm fighting this battle with you. And who would ever guess that? And so I think that I don't know how fasting works. I don't really truly understand how prayer works. I, you know, but I know that it does. And I know there's something that, that takes place in the spiritual realm and um, the word of God, the promises of God. I, you know, there's an old hymn standing on the promises of God and wow. I don't think that hymn can mean as much to you as it does when you have been through the battles and you're old. I mean, I'm not like 60 is super old, but yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm coming to that end, the mm-hmm. end round. And I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, it's the promises of because God is faithful. He keeps his promises. And it says in Second Peter that it's through these very great and precious promises that we're able to be productive, that we're able to be effective. And I believe also to overcome the enemy because the enemy always wants us to doubt God and to sin. And in these times, it's so important. I feel a sense when I'm going through difficult times that people are watching, you know, is God real? Does Christianity work? And so I don't, I want to be fixing my eyes on Christ and not on the circumstances because Christ is the only one who can get me through those circumstances. I think it helps also to have families come together and try to talk about things. Mm -hmm. And, um, sometimes that can be good. Sometimes that can erupt in some squabbling and fighting and blame shifting. But if, if you can set some ground rules for the family to come together and to just say, Hey, like one time something happened in our family and we all came together and Mike and I just said, Hey, this has been a really hard week and this is a no judgment time and a no response time. We just want people to feel free to share how they feel. And I know this is really hurt and we're not going to tell you, you shouldn't feel that way. We're not going to tell you that it isn't true. We just want everyone to have a time to share. And everyone did. And there was a lot of crying mm-hmm. and it was really um, a time for our children and us to be able to to know each other better and to appreciate each other more. Mm, I love it. That really takes humility. I, I feel like the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. And the more important it is to be humble and not talk. And for somebody who's got a lot of ideas and thoughts and you know, creativity and words, that can be really hard. I think for some of us, you know, we, 
those of us who are really expressive, that can be really difficult, but really just having a presence of trying to get yourself calmed down so you can see the art in the other person um, can really go a long way to letting God work. And if we just remember, no matter how angry or frustrated or hurt or betrayed or any of the things, because when you're in relationship with people, those things will happen. Um, and those feelings will yeah. come up because yeah. people are people. <laughs> All of us are people. And um, if we can just really see the art in them, they're a child of Christ, the living God, the master of the universe, and just sit in response to what they have to say. It can go a long way to bringing about healing and restoration. Not always, not always, but, um, but really it, it, you allow God to work them. Um, so Oh, good stuff. Um, I just feel like you're set. You have such a spirit of encouragement and gentleness. I just love talking to you, Meredith. Every single time I'm encouraged. Um, I just really appreciate your talking. This is a hard topic to say, hey, we're Christian homeschool families. We're praying. We're getting it right. We're doing the thing. And then all of a sudden, like, wait, what happened here? Like, and I think in the homeschool world, we don't hear so much about when it goes south or sideways because we're yeah, all working yeah. so hard to go in the right direction right, so just right. saying like yeah we're families we're people and you know my son pointed this out to me years ago we were really in this struggle and he said well mom the enemy hates families satan yeah. hates families and if you're a christian family all the more i mean the goal is to tear you apart to steal yeah. kill and destroy and we have to remember that our enemy knows our name <laughs> and just like God has a perfect plan for us, the enemy has a perfect plan for us. And so we have to make sure we're fighting the right battle and against the right, the right adversary. It's not the people in your family. It's, it's the enemy trying to destroy your family. Um, and just keeping that in mind. That is so true. And you know what? Um, it is not over until it's over. Yeah. And I think it's so important to never lose heart. I, one of my heroes is Augustine's mother because she prayed and prayed for him and he just got worse, but she kept praying for him. She even sent people into his path and, um, she was just an amazing woman of prayer and faith and, and stayed devoted. She's remembered as such a godly woman. So she didn't let it sidetrack her mm. from her own walk with the Lord and her own influencing of other people. And I know that in my husband's family, the oldest son, Ken, he was so rebellious growing up and he just would not serve the Lord. And as one by one, the family started coming back to, to the Lord, um, not him. And mm -hmm. so the whole family prayed for him, prayed for him for years he was in his late sixties and he called my husband and he said, I've come back to the faith of my fathers. And in that moment, like I had to admit, I didn't have faith that he would ever get saved. And now he's so encouraging me in the Lord and he's mm -hmm. so happy in Christ. And I never thought I would see him come to Christ and I love that he said, I've come back to the faith of my mom and dad, mm -hmm. because that is what we long for. If we've lost a son or daughter, that they come back to that mm -hmm. faith 
Right. Amen. <clears throat> I, yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, praise God. Praise God. My friend told me years ago, I just want to end with this adage. Um, in the end, all will be well. If it's not well, it's not the end. And I think of that so often. In the end, all will be well. Not some of it or part of it, but all of it. And if and if it's not if it's not all well, it's not the end. Amen. So don't give up hope. Keep praying. Keep fasting. Keep doing all those things that are mysterious that we don't know why they work, but we know that they do work. <laughs> yes. We know they work. Um, and find a group of people to pray with and encourage and support. Get a prayer partner. If you can't find a group of like-minded people, we invite you to join us over at Jonathan School Tribe Facebook group. A lot of us over there that we pray for each other on a regular basis. Find a group, find a church, get plugged in to a community of faith yes. um, and stand firm. Don't Amen. give up even when the hard things come. You know they're coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. yeah. Meredith, thank you so much. It's always a joy to talk to you. I just appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you, Lisa. It's so good to be with you. God bless you all. Okay, you guys, you can um, join us next week for another episode of Life Skills 101 and check the show notes. We'll have lots of resources for you. We're so honored that you're listening and that you share this podcast, Life Skills 101 with your friends and family. Every time you share the show and post about it, it really makes our day. Make sure you subscribe and download this podcast so that you never miss an episode. You can subscribe so that you get alerted to each and every show. Leave a review for this podcast, Life Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age. We're so honored that you're listening. Until next time, this is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy. We'll talk to you soon.